welcome to our second part of the Capital Creative Showcase coverage. In this episode, we're going to have multiple interviews and some good old discussions around the booth. We are going to be kicking things off while we're hanging out at the booth, where we discuss our most hyped games for the rest of the year. The big one, of course, being Jedi Survivor coming out this next week. Oh, I cannot wait. So my question for you guys, we have a really great... Actually, this is a really good year for video for movies, but also we have really good video games. And we've already got a couple of them out, Hogwarts Legacy and whatnot. But what is the game you're looking forward to next? Well, hold on, because I know right away you and me are going to say the same thing. Right, right. What are some of the most hyped games coming up? Yeah, uh, well, of course, uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor yeah. coming out at the end of this month. It's going to be right. really great. Since I love Fallen Order. We just did a level up on it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic game. Yeah. Absolutely. What are you thinking? Um, man, I'm kind of, I was talking, I was, we were talking earlier about this and, uh, oh, man, I don't want to be into it, but I'm going to be into it is the <laughs> new Zelda game. Tears of the Kingdom. The Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, what did you think of that trailer? Uh, well, that's the reason why I'm even considering yeah. buying it on day one. Yeah, so, we finally got a good glimpse of the yeah. game finally because yeah. Nintendo's marketing on it has just been yeah. non-existent, really. Well, it's odd because it's such a huge hit for them and yeah. it's got really big staying power. You would think that they'd be advertising it a lot more than they are. But no, they've been quite quiet about it. But I'm a little nervous of the, like, some of the, like, people are getting excited with, like, the, uh, I don't know if, you, if you've seen a, uh, c- um, with the sticks and the rocks and they're, like, combining them together. You can fuse them together, yeah, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that yet. I kind of, it's that's okay. the selling point to me, really? though. Like, I, I didn't care for the first one, but I saw that and I was like, oh, you can get real creative with this. That is neat. That's cool. Which Absolutely. is cool in a way, because in the first one I was sick and tired of, like, picking up a stick and I don't have good swords and then <laughs> they just break and then I'm over it, like, just right. give me the Master Sword, please, and the shield and... You know, let me uh, like upgrade that through like a tree, like a talent tree or something. Yeah. So I don't know if I really want to venture off into doing something like that again, but I don't know, man. I just know how big it is, and it's probably going to be. It's, it's going to be good. I'm yeah. sure. I'm yeah. sure. I, I think, think it's I definitely do, in the running yeah. for game of the year. Yeah. Yeah. It probably will be. Yeah. Because I think it's just a little bit of bias of the Nintendo on it. Uh, but I feel that the first one was very overrated. But. That is a pretty common reception to the game. Yeah. For sure. That Nintendo bias, I think, is a real thing, but I think it's been weakening lately because I think there's a level of, like, hey, Switch, you're not HD like you should be kind of thing, right? Yeah. So I've noticed that lately the attention to Switch in competitiveness for, like, Game of the Year has weakened. Do you guys feel that? I I would say so, definitely. Yeah. Like, we've seen now uh, Nintendo charging $70 for Zelda. I think that's a bit of a yeah. You know, I'm trying to play catch up with Xbox and Sony. But have they earned that seventy dollars? That's a good question because it's on something old. like the. I think for the Zeldas, I think they have. Yeah. Uh, for those two specifically, because how massive they are and how creative they are, but not for if I was to play, not a Mario game. Mm-hmm. If you could come out with something that's just a more a smidgen bigger than Odyssey, which I thought Odyssey was phenomenal, uh, then I can see it, but. At this at this day, it's only the Zelda game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think at this point, I'm not gonna buy because I didn't even buy the last Pokemon game, which is a surprise to me because I buy all of them. Oh, you didn't? No. Yeah, but I'm kind of slowing down on the Switch games until we get something new. Mm-hmm. I need to see that Nintendo's investing in in something real. I, I I appreciate the gimmicks. I was surprised by how successful the Switch was because when it first came out, when they first announced it, I thought, boy, that thing looks flimsy. Yeah. And I wasn't wrong. We all know about that drift, but... Uh, I'm currently dealing with that right now. I have to send mine in to get it fixed. You know what's funny is they actually just lost a lawsuit where now they have to fix those forever. 
Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, good. for yeah. free and forever. Yeah. So they, they really bit the bullet on that one. But unless I see the next system is putting actual hardware first and then gimmicks yeah. can be in that share. I get it. But I don't need a Wii. The GameCube was a good machine. Let's do. Let's return back oh, to man, actual video game Cube. systems, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that's what we're going to get next year, to be honest. I think we're going to get a more focused system, and I think it will be here next year. I think they might announce it this year. It's for release also? No, not for release. I was no. going to say, don't no, turn no. me on. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but I definitely think they announce it soon, though. Announce sure. this year, yeah. Come out, release next year, for yeah. sure. It's yeah. been six years now. What is it that you need to see in the next Nintendo system? A square, been a square shape. A square like shape. <laughs> I think the Switch design's personally really innovative and great. Like, mm -hmm. I could see them even taking that even further. See, so keep the know. handheld capabilities? I think, I think they will keep that functionality. But do you think that that weakened it at all in doing no, that? No, I, I think it strengthened it, actually. Yeah. I think having the d option to go dock mode or handheld mode, it's very versatile. You, but I wonder if that limited the hardware that they're able to put into the gaming. That, I think that's the main issue is yeah. they have such a small design space. They can't incorporate all the latest technology hmm. and, you know, yeah. uh, components. Yeah. So maybe that's what we'll see in the next system. See, I think we're going to go focus only on hardware and not with all the gimmicky stuff that they're used to doing. But I feel like the Switch will still continue and that'll be the new handheld, meaning that the 3DS eShop finally closed down and whatnot. So I think yeah, that will be the... Um, Advertise only for the handheld stuff from now yeah. on, and that we'll just get a straight up system that you would put on the shelf and plug into a TV. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Jonathan, you have not bought the Nintendo Switch. What is what is it that you didn't want from the Switch? Um, I don't have time to play much games anymore. <laughs> so there's that dad and, mode over here. Yeah. I don't know. I was just never interested in the Switch. I never saw a game that was worth buying it for. But you decided to go with the Steam Deck. What in the Steam Deck seemed better to you than the Switch? Much larger library, I think, and like yeah. the future of games that you can get into because hmm. it's not controlled just by Nintendo. So even then, I haven't played my Steam Deck enough. Dude, same man. My yeah. Steam Deck. I literally I saw it this morning. I was like, man, that thing is like legit just dusty. Yeah, but you have a lot of like games that you play, and you have access to play them on your computer, so you're not limited. You know, I'm gonna be going on a on a flight in a couple months. It's gonna be you know, twelve oh, yeah. hours each way. So I'm definitely gonna have my Steam Deck loaded up. A couple games hours, damn, you're right. That's I good. keep telling so him he's gotta play God of War. Yeah. He hasn't played God of War yet. Like what a great dad, what a man. great dad game, you know? It's perfect yeah. for him to play. Really yeah. well change uh, you being a father yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're in the garage throwing axes and shit. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean. Dope. <laughs> oh man. Uh, we uh, we got a chance to talk to Freya, and we're, we're going to do a full interview with her, but we have a little bit of the interview last week's podcast, Freya from God of War. So when you play it and you notice how cool Freya is, we're like, oh, hey, she's, she's on Geek Freaks. So that's, and then hopefully we're going to get a trace soon. We're, we're working on that. What other games are we look excited for for this year? We've got we got Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Correct. Which we we're did the level up. That's going to be releasing very soon on that. What? Ooh. What he... What's that? I got one that's really right around the corner, so whatever. All right. So out of Jedi Survivor, <laughs> what is it that we're wanting to see out of that game? Because okay. the first one was so perfect, I really don't want them to mess it up. I'm, not, I'm more worried about them messing it up than I am them improving anything. Mm -hmm. Right? What do you? I don't do you think they see? can mess up really on anything except for missing out on certain boss fights. Like, yeah. we got a little bit of a tease with Darth Vader at the end. Yeah. Oh, I think God. there'll be a Darth Vader boss Way fight me in the second game. <laughs> Man, that wasn't the only thing, like, tunnel being wet because I know you're running away from the water. Shit, I was swimming in myself. <laughs> <laughs> God, that ending was amazing. 
You know when I think of like the best sequel follow-up game, one of them is Battlefront to Battlefront 2. Oh, yes. They added the space battles. They added yep. Jedis yeah. and Sith and all these people. They the completely hero class. opened it up. And yep. uh, I really like that whole conquering one planet to another planet and stuff like that. It really made me fall in love with Star Wars more and more. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping that they've learned from that and just kind of like, let's just kind of make the basic here. Now let's add more to it. Yeah. That'd be cool. Space battles, not a terrible idea if that, it's a side thing. Yeah. Especially if it's a uh, part of the story, but it's to yeah. the point where um, it's not so much like if it was a, uh, like if it was a Arkham Dark Knight or Arkham, uh, Arkham Knight. Yeah. Where uh, they focused a lot of it being in the vehicle when it would have been cool to just do a couple of missions or something in the vehicle you know yeah not overuse it so i think that'd be really neat yeah yeah what's the game that you were excited for advanced wars one and oh, two. Dude. Oh, dude oh my god you're so that's, right. that's like coming out because they delayed now. it which i understand why but i mean yeah. like could you like give me an advanced copy yeah right. would have been great advanced <laughs> copy of advanced wars would have been awesome so, but i am very much excited for that yeah yeah most definitely god those those good old days you me jonathan out on out at dylan's beach passing yeah, the game boy advance around burning through double a's yeah <laughs> No oh, man! Wow. One Game Boy between three men. Four, four. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! <laughs> because for Advance Wars, you take your turn and then you hand it to the next guy. Oh, yeah. I see. And okay. he takes his turn. Yeah, don't look. <laughs> yeah, don't screen. look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you'd wait for like you'd wait for like the time to pass, the, like, like the day to pass, the little animation, but hand it over quick enough so you didn't see where their stuff was at. Yeah. Fog of War. <laughs> oh, that game was good. That was really that was good. good. Are you getting the remake this month? That's what we're talking about. That's yeah. coming out this year. Or yes. coming out this month. I'm sorry, this month. Yeah. yeah. And it's really hard. I'm like, man, do I want to get that right now? I just said I wasn't going to buy much more Switch games. Here I am. Yeah, I definitely need to grab that Advance Wars. That's super cool looking game. Um, all right. Next, we're going to be doing our very short interview with Nate. He's the guy who's running the show. He's a board member with the SDC who runs this event, the Capital Creative Showcase. I love discussing video games with Nate. He is a video game developer himself. And took a passion in the indie community in the Sacramento area, Northern California area, really. In this clip, we've got Diana and Susan from the Disney Moms grabbing a quick interview. How you doing? Yeah, you're good. How are you? Good. We are told that you are the man. The man. That's what we were told. I don't know about that. How long have I'm you been one doing of this? Men. One of them. One of the one of the few. One How of long the few. have you been doing it? I've been actually uh, running the Sacramento Developer Collective for, I want to say, like six years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe five, five, six years. Would you say that it's been growing every year, or was there like a sporadic growth? Well, we did have a pandemic in the true. middle of me taking over. That's um, true. We were actually growing quite a bit, and, uh, you know, obviously the pandemic changed things, but I think we actually retained a lot of our, you know, our community through the pandemic, and it's, it's kind of coming back in much the same way it was before the pandemic. That's so good. What brought your interest to this event, this the Capital Creative Showcase? Well, so the second year arcade obviously was kind of the uh, the inspiration for it, and that's what started it. And when I went to you know the first second year arcade, I was a developer myself, so I was basically okay. how everybody else was, you know, as a participant. And I got to show off a game that I was making as part of the first progressive game jam. It was called Project Settlement, and it just it was such a rewarding experience. Because I've wanted to make video games since I was like eight years old, you know, and I got into IT instead of video games. Uh, and so that opportunity that I got kind of came through what Sacramento Developer Collective did for me. So I just wanted to give back. That's really awesome. We're having a really, really good time here. There's such an array of games in development at different stages. And yeah. we were talking to someone earlier who's been working on their game since 2015. Yeah. And it's, it's so amazing to watch all of these things. 
I think what's also inspiring is seeing all the new generation, right? Yes. Where we have, I think it's one room over, where yep. it's like high school students or middle school high students? High school students. So okay. our very first student showcase. Yeah. And that was uh, largely because, you know, we wanted to, like, you know, talk to the next generation. We, we had several uh, several young developers who were in high school that came and, and kind of developed, you know, as, as we watched them grow. Uh, and they're now like in college or they're teaching kids themselves and yeah. so we wanted to open up a little bit more officially you know instead of just having you know one or two come in we, we started reaching out to the high schools yeah and that's it's so eye-opening because I did not grow up like as a gamer I, I had brothers that did gaming they built their own PCs like when they were in middle school but I didn't I, that just wasn't part of my life and so now that I'm married with someone who did grow up with that it's so welcoming to those yeah. who I did not grow up with it and it's just a very friendly very open environment um and i think it just kind of creates this ambiance of like welcome to this new yes. thing right yeah and it's so fun it's it's nice as a parent to see kids who my kids will be this age someday yep. so enthralled in something that like one keeps them out of trouble but like two exercises their brain to like places you don't normally see kids these age like getting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for having us here. We've been having a blast. Thank you for coming. <laughs> You're always welcome. Thank you. Let's go ahead and move on to another interview. This one is performed by Tyler of the Who's Got Next Game podcast. He's talking to the developer of a game called Rework. It's a fantastic game. And we're going to have the link to its Steam page in the description. So go over there, click around. We're going to have all of the games we discussed today linked in the description so go out there and support indie developers that are just pouring their passion and heart into sharing their stories so we're back here at ccs we're with uh with bet beto beto yeah okay gotta make sure i'm saying it right man gotta You're make good. sure i'm saying it You're right good, one of the local game developers out of here who's actually working on two pretty big projects i mean you're taking on some pretty big game projects. Why don't you kind of just introduce the two games that you're working on and, and just kind of talk a little bit about each of them. Sure, yeah. So uh, the first game that I'm working on, I've been working on for a little bit now, is called Rework. Yeah. It's a game, it's kind of like Portal-esque when you first get into it. Yeah. Um, you go and you traverse these levels by picking up these blocks, and these blocks give you different abilities mm -hmm. so that you can go over to the end of the level. So let's just say there's a gap, right? You can't jump that gap. Okay, so you hold a, a jump boost block, and yeah. you can jump across that gap. And then there's increasing difficulties yeah. along with and that. And the puzzles change based on, you know, all that other Correct. stuff. And, and Correct. all that kind yeah. of stuff. So. And then the other one is called, it's a working title, it's called Everness. Yep. Uh, this is a 2D procedurally generated voxel-based world. You could think of, like, Minecraft or Terraria. Mm -hmm. but It's like Terraria, but instead it's infinite. Yeah. Right? So it's um, like it's like you're it's almost a hybrid of the Minecraft Stardew Valley and Terraria, correct. just kind of like correct. all put together. Still in a very yeah. early development phase. Very very early development, definitely. So yeah. it's you know it's still kind of new. You're still working on a bunch of stuff, but like correct. yeah, with your with your WeWork game, that game. I mean, me as a puzzle gamer has a Tetris. I mean, you can see from what I'm wearing, I'm a huge puzzle game <laughs> yeah. fan. Yeah. I'm wearing the Tetris uh, yeah. Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. Um, but just that puzzle element, like the puzzle games, as a developer, what's the challenge to a puzzle game? Like what makes that, oh. you know, making a puzzle, what makes it difficult? Because I feel like there's this weird element of like, if it's easy for me, it could be hard for somebody else. So like, where's that balance? How did you find the balance in making a level? 
I think that the main thing you got to think about is okay. Is it is it hard for the person that's actually playing? Is it hard for the player? Because yeah. as a developer, you're making this game. You know the ins and outs. You yeah. know you know what's gonna what's gonna happen. Right. Um, you got to think of it from a second perspective, and, and and sometimes that's that's kind of hard to do because you can't get out of your own head. So it's good to to get other people to play your game. Yeah. You know, if you if you you make a puzzle and sometimes you don't even know what's challenging and what's not. You think something is obvious, but it's actually yeah. it's actually not so obvious. Right. So it's a lot of it is like okay, maybe kind of. Um, I wouldn't say dumbing down for your audience because that's like a little like that doesn't yeah. sound right. Like it's more of like understanding that your audience does not know what you know, mm. right? And I I think in the cycle that you've developed of the game so of that game so far, I think your puzzles reach a threshold that like it seems very Stanley Parable esque. Like it seems like you're kind of guiding everybody. Okay, here's your control scheme. Here's how you do this. Here's how you pick it up. Here's how you do this. So. I like that element that you kind of put into that game, and I think it's what also helps the you know puzzle process because it's like, yeah. oh okay, like how do I pick up the items again? Oh yeah, that was that room. I you know I hit this button and I'll mm -hmm. pick up the block. So, right. what made you pick the block to be your power up? Like when did that? How did that idea come out? Was that just something that you were like, why not? Or did you? How did how did it, that come to be? I think that it was on the surface. I want to say why not? Yeah. But I could almost kind of peek into my subconscious and see, like, maybe just, like, Minecraft. Okay. <laughs> you know, I think about blocks, and I'm like, ooh, yeah. Minecraft. Because I don't know, I guess, I guess blocks have just always been something that's, like, that's been inside of my life. Well, that's you know? the same for me. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I, mean, I got the Tetris, the Tetris blocks, so. Tetris blocks on we're, your shirt. We're, we're in, that's, yeah. that, I think that's why I like yeah. your game, because that's just, like, it's at home yeah. for and me. And it's, so. it's also a lot of, like, like Portal. Mm -hmm. You know, you have, yes, like, the, the different, like, the companion cube, the regular cubes, mm -hmm. you know, all these things. And I've also had always had, like, this kind of like obsession with uh, like like units of something mm. so like these are like all blocks that are formatted the same they have the same shape they have the same dimensions right but they all have a different symbol yeah them. it gives you a unique ability correct yeah so yeah. so they're all so it's almost like almost kind of taken away taken away from from the aspect of it being a cube it could be a, a dodecahedron it could be a, a sphere it could yeah. be a triangle mm -hmm. a pyramid it doesn't matter yeah the the main thing is that they are all the same mm. it makes it easy to say okay i know that there's a colorful glowing thingy right there i need that somewhere yeah. right along with the signs saying for you to, to click right. and pick things up so cubes i guess why not deeper meaning is they are all cubes that's why. Yeah. It's because because cubes is something that is, is recognizable, yeah. and it's it's something that that's, it's something it's, you can look at, and it's just vision. It's all there. Correct. You know, Correct. it's all there. Yeah. So, uh, I think like because you're doing two different games, like you're kind of you kind of you were telling me about it a little bit that you kind of yeah. pushed pushed it down to the side <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Right, kind yeah. of just put it on hold for a little bit and just kind of left it as is, and then you went into this new game. Yeah. Is it just something as a developer you're like I want a new project, I want to jump into something new. Or is it kind of just more of like, I needed a break from this, so let me kind of just let my brain kind of put something out there? I think that, honestly, um, if I'm being completely honest, it probably has a more sad reason than it than it may think. Like, it's not more of like, I, I have an ambition to, to jump towards here. Uh, a lot of the times I get kind of wrapped up in my own personal projects, and I do a lot of yeah, bin yeah, yeah. binging and, and crunch time. Yeah. And I forget, hey... I don't like crunching 
it, it's painful. It's it's like yeah. it's uh, stressful. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of toll on on the mind when it comes down to that. Mm-hmm. So, I think what happens is that I, I kind of just like stop a project, and then I I kind of lose my grip a little bit on it. But then I kind of bounce back to it. Yeah. Right? Same way I'm kind of bouncing I, back to it. I think the the thing, especially as a game developer, I mean, I don't have any experience as a game developer, so I don't know. But at least from what I've seen with everybody around here, it's like you get to a point where you're continuously work, continuously working and you get to a point where you kind of feel burned out from it. And it, like, yeah. it can take a toll and it's, it makes it harder to develop for. But I think it's also good, like, like you were doing, you're kind of taking a step back. We were talking about it a little bit when we were over at your booth, but... I kind of want to just go into like with these two projects you have I know that you know you're kind of spreading yourself between both of them but like is there one that you're really like are I know you're excited for both of them but are you like kind of all guns ho on your new project or are you kind of like the new project is just something to work on so I can jump back to my old project and kind of bounce between I have a very big passion for procedural generation that has been something I've been obsessed with for a very long time and have only limited myself in making a game like that because I didn't have the skills to do it. Mm. Making games like Rework, making games like Vaxel, making games like any other side project I'm doing, yeah. I feel like was practice for this big magnum opus that I'm working on now, okay. if that is even what it is. Yeah. I don't know. But what I see right now is that people really like Rework. Mm. So I'll probably focus on that. Yeah. But in my heart, I really want to work on Everness, that, that procedurally yeah. generated yeah. game. Well, yeah, and because, I think the best yeah, the best games come from something that you truly have yeah. that and, drive and, and don't passion get me wrong, for. I like rework. Yeah. I love rework. I love I love the concept. And I think it's something yeah. I will definitely want to continue with. But I think truly in my soul, I would I want to get Everness to work. Yeah. I want you really to be, yeah, you really want to yeah. you know you I have, a, to live you have a drive. Yeah, you have yeah. a drive and a passion for something. It's yeah. in your heart that you really want to do, which is great. Like that's awesome. So yeah. is there is there somewhere that people can follow you and, and get access to your games, kind of follow the, the sequence of events with you? Like do you have any yeah. social media so, and anything um, like that? So my website is astudios.info. Um, that's the same name of my Instagram. Okay. My Instagram's a little dormant right now, but if I was posting anything, that's where it was where it would be. Gotcha. Um Right now, you can download the demo of Rework for free on astudios.info. You literally just type it in the address bar, and you'll get to my website. You scroll right there, boom, like, scroll like two centimeters, and it's right there, the download link. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's where you can find me, astudios.info. Well, I'm excited to see both games. I'm excited to see where you go with both of them, because they're all still both very open-ended. But thank you again for, you know, just taking the time, sitting down, talking, and, and... I'm excited for your journey ahead with, you know, your game development. Yeah, thanks a bunch, Tyler. I appreciate it, man. Great job, Tyler. Tyler has been working hard on interviewing. He's seeking the people he wants to talk to, and he's practicing his skills. So good job, Tyler. Please go check out his podcast, Who's Got Next Game. Next, we're heading back to the booth, and this time we're discussing level design. One of the questions I brought up to the guys is, is there a video game you've played that uses a level twice? I have a few examples in this discussion, so do they. Let us know on Twitter if there's any of them you could think of, and especially ones that you appreciated the additional context that doing that extra level has added to the game in general. All right, let's get back to the booth and hear our conversation. I, I got it. Speaking of video games, going back to that, Wario's video games, uh, the one of them, I think it was on the GBA. Yep. Very creative design because the entire time you're doing this platformer going one way and then you have to speed run back. Yeah. And I always think that's smart when creatively people make, you know, a level work twice. 
yeah. you know, because there's limited space on the cartridges and all and stuff like that, and limited time to design the game. That works really well. First off, did you play that? And can you think of another game that's done that? I already got a second one that I'm thinking of. There is actually a game that came out recently. It's like about this. It's a really weird design game. It's like about this pizza chef, and he's essentially like that Wario, uh, Wario Land game. Yeah. Where he's running through the level, he's got to get to the end of the level, and he like collects an item or something. And as soon as he collects that item, it's just like bang. There's a timer, and you have to get back to where yeah. you started. So immediately for me, it's That's like it's a newer Wario, game yeah. that it's, took that uh, element and does that. But like, it has that like cartoony animation feel hmm. to it. I don't remember the name. of it. It's called Pizza Tower. Yes, there yes. it is. Nice. It, it looks amazing. I haven't played it. But oh, it came yeah. out in January. The animations are awesome. I haven't played yeah. it. I watched the playthrough, and it like the animations are just hilarious. It's like that Ren and Stimpy kind of oh, like early nineties animation early 90s style. cartoon feel. Yep. Yeah. They capture it really well. Yeah. Mm. Really, just like the developers really thought it through when they were making their yeah. character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Kyle? Anything you can think of where they, they double down on a, a level design? I always think back to Braid, back mm. on the okay. Xbox Live Indie Arcade. Yeah. That was like one of the first games that cool. kind of turned itself on, on its own head because I don't want to spoil it, but essentially you go back when you reach the end of the game completely backwards. Yeah. And there's like a story-related narrative that kind of ties it all together I do like when they do something like that because then all of a sudden when you go back to the first level it has different content or co- uh, context context there yes, it is yeah, yes that's a good one too <laughs> what do you think it squeaks uh, nothing at all actually uh, nothing at all <laughs> yeah I can't think of anything like that I'm just thinking of video games where they'll go back to that like world or level but not really like in a in a, in a way that you're saying Kingdom Hearts don't that's, they do it to where the Heartless attacks was, that's yeah. exactly what I was thinking of because you go back to the levels and the Heartless are attacking this time it's double down on, a, on the level yeah I guess it's just not in the way of like what you're saying of Wario, so that's why yeah. I was like, eh, I mean, whatever. I, I would just like less cutscenes for them. Yeah. That's why I'm thinking. Okay, that was number three. Yeah, I was fucking. <laughs> yeah. no, I don't think of that <laughs> game anymore. Oh, yeah, oh that my game God. was hard to play. So bad. Okay. Yeah, it? I was gonna say like, not necessarily playing through it like backwards, but like there are elements in like Mario Galaxy where like you go for a bonus star that's like you can't get hit. Yeah. You know what I mean, they they add just a different element to the level that makes it more of a challenge. There's a race in the level, mm. you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. kind of a similar pitch to that, but not necessarily playing through the level backwards. It's more of like you're adding an element to reutilize the level in a different way. Yeah. 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 My One of my favorite examples is Karazhan from World of Warcraft. Mm. They literally put the dungeon upside down. So you play through it back in the old days, it was the right side up, and then when you go back to it, when they remade the dungeon, they made it upside down. So you're walking through and you're looking at, like, you're walking where the chandeliers are and you're looking at, like, where you used to look. Uh-huh. Like, That's kind of neat. Oh, that reminds me of Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Did that was, that? like, how you get the true end game. Yeah. Was you have to defeat Dracula, but then it goes into the second phase by completely flipping the castle upside down and you explore the whole thing again. I think that's the one I want to play. Is that, was a, is that PS2? PS1. PS1. Yes. I've watched that gameplay and I was like, man, I gotta play this game at some point. Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah I gotta tell you, I haven't played much Castlevania. So. Good job on that. It's part of the reason why Metroidvania exists as a genre. Yeah. It's because yeah. of that and Metroid. Yeah. Yeah. Such classics. Yeah. All right. Actually, I want to ask you a question about the Castlevania. Do you? I was kind of a fan of the ones on uh, the newer ones, like the 3D type. Oh, Xbox yeah, yeah. 360 and sure. 1 and 2 and I didn't play the second one very like Lords much of Shadow yeah there you go yeah. I didn't play the second one very much but uh, would you be interested to see something of like that coming back or would you want to see something I like still the old think, school ones I still think uh, Castlevania is perfectly suited to be adapted into a Souls-like 
I like, think a Souls-like game, like okay, okay. Dark Souls or Bloodborne. Yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. Like specifically I think, Bloodborne, it's got the same vibe. Yes, the yeah. gothic horror element yeah. to it. I think Castlevania is perfectly suited for that. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd be cool if they did like a jump between 3D and 2D. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean, because like you could go through and then like kind of like what they did with Mario Odyssey, where it's like you go or through even the Mario movie did that. Level. Yeah, <laughs> it did a good job of going to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Castlevania because it's done both. I think it has that ability to like, you could essentially have some way. It's like oh, they go into like now a two D, you know, type of game where it's kind of homage to the traditional game and then go back into that three D form. Man, I gotta be honest with you. I love podcasting, talking about video games and other geek culture. With very awesome friends. I mean, how can you beat that? Plus, we were doing it while we're hanging out with video game developers all day. Conventions, podcasting, it's the good life. Next up, we have a quick interview with the developers from Quartet. Now, if you like those Super NES RPGs, this is your ticket. And yes, the Steam page is below in the links, and you can get your hands on the demo today. The art is gorgeous. This game is a must-play, I'm telling you right now. Sure, yeah, so this is Quartet. It's kind of a um, SNES era, like retro pixel art, uh, turn-based art role-playing game. Okay. So, so Final Fantasy, like four, six, those kinds of games. Uh, but it's got a lot of more, like kind of modern elements and storytelling and themes and stuff like that. So um, it's very story-driven. Uh, the, te- the team started working on the game. I joined a little bit later in like 2020, um, but the team started working on it in like 2017. So ju- just like working on the story and like the map. And, and like figuring out how the pre-production, all that pre-production stuff. Um, and then I joined about 2020, spent about eight months working on the tech uh, for the Kickstarter, which we, um, oh, which we launched. Uh, and so we've got the Kickstarter demo here. This is kind of like a demo reel, uh, trailer sort of thing. And then this is the demo that we released uh, a little bit later um, to our Kickstarter uh, um, And it's got the first couple of uh, prologue chapters. So you play through, uh, there's four kind of main characters and four supporting characters. You play through the four main character stories in any order, and then they start coming together. And uh, and each character comes from a sort of like different country, where the, each country has a different like stance on on magic. Because I mean it's a fan, it's an RPG, right? So so there's magic. So so in one country like magic is is uh, everyday life. You know, it's studied in school. In another country, it's completely forgotten, and nobody thinks it's, think it's a myth, right? Uh, in another country, only like it's a class that only the most powerful people can use it, and if you and if you use it, you're not supposed to, you can be punished. And in another country, um, it happens by accident, and the people who get it are, are like closely supervised. And so, because each character's circumstances are different, like it, it, it affects like how their story, why they're on their journey. And, and they just start to come together and, you know, to complete uh, the story. I love that. I love that so so the team so I joined in 2020 to do, to do programming uh, but the team started working on it in 2017 yeah yeah the hardest part probably um, uh, jobs and kids like time just having the time yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah just like everybody's like you know making ends meet working and, and yeah. like we get like maybe five or six hours a week 
to work on this. And you know, we all hang out in Discord. Fantastic Discord for for game dev is just absolutely an amazing tool. Uh, like we hang out. We built a bot that like we can use to submit issues, so we can keep track of like an issue tracker and GitHub. And but like you know, we can all hop on voice chat and talk about the game or play like live stream the game to the other, uh, each other and like watch and like we can have a tester come and and, and, and play the game in front of us. You know, and we're all we're all across the country. Like I'm from Sacramento. Uh, I live in the Bay Area. And I drove up for this, but um, I grew up here. And but like but like you know, Tyler, our composer, he's up in DC, and 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 Ty, our other programmer, he's up in Edmonton, in Canada. You know, where it's colder than Mars. Yeah. Um, and we got Pat over in Rhode Island. Um, you know, our art director is up in Wisconsin, and like, yeah, and and, and then we were army of artists all over the country. So then, how did you end up in this unique spot if everyone is all scattered? Yeah. So, um, so so a lot of the team they have kind of roots in the, like the RPG Maker community from a few like RPGMaker.net and and like Gaming W, and they know each other. A lot of them know each other from that. Um, I actually met the team. Uh, so this is their second. This is their second game. My first, but their first game was called Shadows of Adam. They had a Kickstarter for it. I was a backer, and I, and so I joined their Discord server because I was a backer. I wanted the beta, you know, and uh, and and I'm a game that they had a little community for other indie devs, and I, I like I like to build prototypes, and so I would like share my little concepts and ask questions about like, hey, what tech are you gonna use for cutscenes and for maps and stuff? And so I build little prototypes and. And uh, and and share them, you know, with the other indie devs in the server. And eventually, like one of them reached out, like, "Hey, you want to work on the game?" Like, I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So, so it's yeah, it's. We noticed it in podcasting, and we see it both in video game development and comic book writing. How the pandemic has made the creation process a remote job. I mean, honestly, I, comic book development now there are so many moving parts, and none of the players need to meet. We're seeing it again with video game development, and if as for podcasting. This is one of the few times we actually record together. Uh, matter of fact, Kyle, this is the first time in five years I was able to record with Kyle, who was originally from Pushing Buttons Podcast and is now a member of the Geek Freaks Network, and boy, we're happy to have him. Uh, next up, we're going to be going into our interview with Trayvon Taylor. This one is done by Jonathan. Now, I actually talked to Trayvon before we went to CCS, so this is really doubling down on Trayvon's project. It's called Bullock Mayan Warfare. Go check that out, guys. Um, but this is just a quick kind of snippet or a quicker version of the interview we did before we went. So check it out. And this is Jonathan's like maybe second interview ever. So he's again, he's warming up too, and he's also doing a good job. Way to go. All right, guys. This is Jonathan with the Geek Freaks Podcast Network. I'm here with Trayvon, and we're gonna be talking about a game he has been developing. Trayvon, how you doing today? I'm doing superb. Uh -huh. I'm just happy that this event is happening. I get to see all the games being developed, get to show off Bullock. Can you tell us a little bit about your game? Yes, Bullock Mayan Warfare is a single-player hack-and-slash where you take on the role of an elite Mayan warrior called the Nakam. You wield magic in one hand and melee in the other hand. In the game, you unlock fire magic, wind magic, lightning magic, and water magic in various other spells. There's a total of 64 upgrades in spells in total. You are engaged in a civil war against your king, and then you must repel the invading conquistadors because as the civil war is happening, the Aztec Empire is under siege. And it is coming to Steam on June awesome. this year. Coming to Steam in is, June. It will be released nice. in June. You can wishlist it right now. You can play the demo right now on Steam as well. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, okay. So... How long did it take you guys to develop this game? I'm sure it's been a while, right? It's not easy to make a game. I know that. Right. So I started on it personally back in October of 2015. Wow. I began assembling the team towards mm -hmm. the end of the year. 
I my first animator, Radical, who now works at, I believe, Zenimax on Elder Scrolls Online. Mm-hmm. I went to him in December. I went to my character. I went to my illustrator, Calvin. He illustrates uh, children's books as well. I think I went to him in December. And then I gathered the rest of the team in February of 2016. So as a team, we've been working on Bullet Mind Warfare for seven years since February 2016. Man, that and is we good. Re, we redesigned it, rebuilt it, re, rebranded it a total of three to five times just to improve it. Because we are going to market and we go to market, you want to have a polished product. Yeah, that's awesome. So to get a better perspective of the game, I knew you explained kind of some of the power and the magic and stuff that's in it. What does it feel like when you're walking around in the game? What's the gameplay feel like? Or is there another game that you think it's very similar to? That you can think of. So for one, you're walking around in a Mesoamerican environment brought to life. Mm-hmm. People, when they see Mesoamerican structures, it's ruined. Mm-hmm. Well, we brought it to life, so you should feel immersed. You should also feel powerful because you have spells that can lay waste to groups of enemies. Mm-hmm. The gameplay, you have light and heavy attacks, so you can combine those combos. You can even use the magic. You're also, we take into account of the culture. So you're talking about the environment, how it's heavily influenced by the Mesoamerican culture, and you see the the structures and stuff like that. Right. You you walk around. I mean, it's like uh, first person. You know, you have a weapon in one hand, magic in the other. Uh, <laughs> is there? Oh, sorry. That first third person. Yeah. Um, and so, is there is there just regular uh, NPCs that you're going to be fighting on a regular? Does you have bosses in the game? So you uh, kill your way through enemies to get to the objective. One objective would be stop the enemies from reaching the palace. So mm-hmm. you have to kill the event. You have to kill groups of enemies. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you must reach the palace before the enemies reach the palace. And okay. there are there are boss enemies as well in mm-hmm. the game. There are about three boss enemies. Nice. It'd be a spoiler if I tell you. I think you kind of <laughs> figure it out. I said there's a civil war uh-huh. and you have to fight the conquistadors. So you kind of get an idea of who the boss enemies are. The combat is influenced by God of War and Ghost of Tsushima. Nice. We did a, we kind of did an overhaul when Ghost of Tsushima came out. It showed mm-hmm. us how we can improve our combat, what to aim for, what the people like. Um, like, for instance, you have, like I said before, light and heavy attacks. Like yeah. in Ghost of Tsushima, you have your blue... You have your attacks that are blue. You have to parry them. You can't just block them. You have your red attacks that you have to roll out the way. You can't just, you can't block them. You can't parry them. Mm -hmm. Like I said, think to Ghost of Tsushima. Aztec Mayan Ghost of Tsushima, rather than Ninja Tools, you have magic. Yeah. And we simulated an open world through the turn-based map, the overworld map. So rather than building a big big open world, Mm -hmm. you select which level, each level is represented by a city. Okay. So you attack the city, mm-hmm. it loads the big level. Otherwise, if you encounter an enemy piece on the map, an enemy warrior on that map, it loads up a small arena where you must kill the surrounding enemies. Uh, okay. That's pretty cool. Thank Man. you. Um, let's see. Oh, so you did touch on kind of some games that inspired you for this, but overall, what inspired you for the, the theme of this game and, and really got the fire boiling inside you to make this game? So I really like history. Yeah. When I seen the artwork from Mesoamerica, mm-hmm. like there was a thread actually on on Reddit the other day, I posted a thread that I used to read back in 2012 in college called. It had illustrations from a book called Osprey Military mm-hmm. Order. So it shows the different military units across the planet, across history, and this mm-hmm. one in particular was from Mesoamerica, and I was just blown away by the designs. Yeah. Because usually yeah. when I see that culture, this is the Aztec and Maya. 
it's just a puzzle game. So to actually see these military units, mm-hmm. then to watch Apocalypto to see their architecture, vibrant colors, not just the dull white ruined structures that you see. But to see all that, I said to myself, it would be great to be in that world. I could envision that world. And like I said earlier, off off mic, this is around the time when I was playing Skyrim. I said that would be cool to merge them together. Mm-hmm. The game is not Skyrim, okay? No. But it pointed me in that direction. Yeah, that's fantastic, man. That sounds like such an awesome game to play. So you said it's coming out on Steam, you said in July? No, in June this June. year. In June. The oh, beta man. is available right now on Steam. Okay. So you can also wishlist the game if you wish to. But we will be launching the game in June on Steam. And if the game is received well, then hopefully we can go to the consoles. Yeah. But guys, don't wait. I mean, go go check out the beta right now. As soon as you're done listening to this, go try the beta. How do you say the full name of the game again? Bullock Mayan Warfare. Bullock Mayan Warfare. All right. Trayvon, this was awesome. Thanks for joining us. Do you Before we leave, do you have any other upcoming games that you're thinking about starting after this? No, not at the moment. Nothing yet. Okay. okay. If the game is received well, then we will do a maybe, sequel. Maybe a sequel. Okay. All right. You heard it here first. There might be a sequel, depending on how uh, the critics react, or the fans react. I love it. All right. Well, thank you very much. This was an awesome interview. Thank you for having me here. All right. Thanks. Bye. Well, that wraps it up, guys. There's nothing else from the Capital Creative Showcase 2023. I want to give my sincere thank you to the team over at the Capital Creative Showcase for inviting us. We go to a lot of conventions, but this one truly we feel welcomed and embraced with the community. And it's obviously, see, we have a lot of access to interviews and hanging out and, and that Mario Kart tournament. Shout out again to Zach, our first place winner. Congratulations. But I had so much fun at Capital Creative Showcase, and I look forward to doing it again next year. Bigger, better, and amazing. Uh, our next convention that we're going to be going to is in May. It's the Lodi Comic Con. We're going to be doing the, we're not going to be doing the booth. We're just going to be doing a few interviews while we're there. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. We're also going to be releasing a regular Geek Freaks. It's coming out Tuesday, so just in a couple days after the release of this episode. So don't worry. We're going to catch you up on all the latest geek news that's coming up right around the corner. Thank you very much for hanging out with me today, and I appreciate that. And I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Have a good one. Bye.